I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. G'day and welcome to the Farms Advice podcast where we talk everything agribusiness with episode 26 under my belt. On the show, we've got a familiar face with Alex Taylor joining us for a yarn to see how we dealt with the aftermath of Farmer Wants a Wife working on his family farm and finding the one. He's remote but optimistic for what lies ahead on the grazing property with both the women and his love of the land in southern Queensland. He's built a following since airing on Farmer Wants a Wife and takes the time for the odd selfie here and there. A top bloke willing to have a crack at anything. Thanks for coming on. Another familiar face. Oh, thanks for having me, Jack. I'm glad to be here. It's good to see, like, into the show business of it all, how you panned out after the show. Um, well, I don't know. Like, uh, just sort of, <laughs> I think just a lot more people sort of recognised me and um, just wanted a few selfies here and there. That was about it. Down to your local races. I saw you there a few weeks ago. Uh, actually, yeah, went down to went down to Roma uh, races the other day. Um, that was that was good. That was a lot of fun. Um, it's just good uh, actually, probably to be out and about, obviously, because with um COVID and you know limitations on um on events is sort of the first thing I'd been to where they had a they were allowed to have two thousand people um yeah, at right. the track, which was is good, and I think everyone appreciated being able to go out and especially being like a small rural, like well, Rome is not too small, but small rural town, being able to go out and being social and just get that sense of community back. Yeah, that's it. Being rural, you need a bit of a community building mm. there for sure. So before we get down into it, Alex, let's just go mm. into like what your background is and how are you connected to agriculture? Um, so I come off a 78,000 acre 
um, grazing property out in Katamala, which is about 900 kilometres directly west of Brisbane um, along the Queensland-New South Wales border. Um, we run 4,000 merinos and then we got 400 head of cattle about. Yeah. Is it is still running those numbers at the moment? We are. We are at the moment. Um, sort of by the skin of our teeth. We're still very dry. Um, we've just uh, bought 25 tonne of cotton seed and then another probably $8,000 worth of hay. Um, we've got the cattle on adjustment on the neighbour's place on like sort of lower lower mulga and then we're just feeding all the sheep. Yeah, right. So it's fine. still pretty hard up there. Like it looks in the papers and the news that we're past drought, but still well within it well and truly like um we got eight inches at the start of the year sort of like during the sort of summer rains period and then it literally has hasn't rained at home since june um we're hoping to get we're hoping for a winter break and then we're hoping for a spring break and um sadly it hasn't come so now we're hoping for maybe a summer break but no um still tough times ahead at home and you know, there's little areas that have had reprieves, but um, as a whole, it's starting to get quite dry all the way across Queensland at the moment. And I think a lot of farmers starting to look to the skies and uh, hoping for that big storm to roll in. Well, hopefully they can get that La Nina coming through, get some moisture back in the ground, for sure. That's that's it, exactly. So are you running the property with your parents or how's that work? Yeah, so I'm running it with dad, like... um. There I say, like, Dad's, you know, fairly in control and, you know, I help, you know, I come there and assist and help him, like, do what we can. And, um, but I know it's hard, it's hard to sort of be progressive when you are dry and you're just trying to keep everything alive, you know, like this, that's all where your planning goes into, not so much sort of breeding and, you know, selecting a line of cattle or a line of sheep, you know, um, so yeah, that's sort of what almost what really what all we've been doing for the last eight years is just trying to keep the core herd alive, um, be it on adjustment, be it feeding, um, try you know trying to breed where we can. Um, back in 2017, um, we didn't even actually join join our ewes because it probably would have been too hard on them to have a lamb. So um, we gave it a miss. Yeah. Yeah. So you're hitting. Bit in survival mode for the last few years. We have been, mate. We have been. We've been in there um, very hard. Um, when we got the rain at the start of the year, um, sort of gave us a few options. Like, uh, you know, like the fat score got up on our sheep. Um, we were able to bring all our cattle home off adjustment. And um, we actually had we had our best lambing we have had in nine years at home. We got um, We got 100 percent this year um we had 2000 ewes and we scanned and um at the time of scamming we had 54 percent and so we took off all the dries and just crammed in the rams with all the all the dry girls and um yeah we got 100 percent so um it was good you know like we were starting to like look at options and then all of a sudden it just someone (laughs) someone turned the tap off and uh yeah it just hasn't rained since summer so back into survival mode back into feeding which is a bit tough. I can't. I can't imagine this is the same conversation you had with the girls on Farmer Wants a Wife, is it? Nah, it's, it's not. Um, you know, you don't want to give them too much loom and gloom. You know, um, 
you want to try and be optimistic, you know, you got to uh, sell them the dream and get them out there. Um, Cause uh, you know, that is why I went on the show because it is, it is hard to meet women out there and you know, women aren't, aren't moving out to the bush like they were because there isn't the opportunities there used to be. Yeah. Well, you're quite remote up there in Kanamala area. We we are indeed. We are indeed. Um, I said, probably our biggest center is probably Toowoomba and that's, um, that's 700 kilometers away. So that's, you know, that's a day trip. Yeah. Just to drive down the road. What did the girls think think of um, like their first impressions once they got out of the bar? Uh, when they came out at the sort of at the time of filming, it was quite dry then. Um, and, uh, they were shocked how dry it was and, uh, also how vast it was. Like they, I think they were expecting a cute little sort of, um, grassy dairy farm as you see down in Victoria. And I think they came out and seen how, um, vast and dry it was. And I know they were a bit taken back, um, how, how big it was. Um, but they liked it. I think they just found it quite unusual. No one had ever sort of been that far west before, so it was a bit of an eye-opener. Yeah, it's something completely different though, isn't it? When your driveway is exactly. more than 10Ks long. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So um, it's probably about 40 kilometres from one end of the place to the other. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty hard for a city girl to fathom, fathom something um, that big. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with them. Like if you're not within agriculture you wouldn't have a clue of what's going on and you would be mm. shocked. Um, yeah. But yeah, for those girls' first impressions, I bet they were pretty shocked. Too. They were like, uh, definitely, you know, sort of knocked their socks off, but um, it was good reactions. You know, I think it was more like an awe. Like I think, um, you know, I think they came out and they're like, oh, this is, this is a real deal. Like this is, this is quite cool. Like never, you know, never experienced this in their lives. So it was, um, it was good shock. I, I don't think it was a scary shock. <laughs> what, what did your parents think of the whole farmer wants a wife? Um, I think, I think it was a bit, it was a little bit t- um, tough for dad. Mum, mum and my sisters loved it, but it was a little bit tough for dad. I think, um, you know, we had, we had filming and, you know, I'm meant to be there helping him, you know, do all the farm work and, get all the things done. And I think, you know, filming takes up, you know, 24 hours of your time. And I think not being able to be there and help dad do all the jobs that we need to get done was a bit tough. Um, so he had to work without, without me a fair bit of the time and your cars coming in and out of the driveway and people everywhere. And I know when you, when they're used to just dealing with two people for 90% of the year, I think it's a bit of a, bit of a shock to the system all these um, sort of artsy types out from Sydney and Melbourne and, um, ne- and you know, half the camera crew had never been on a farm before and been in that sort of heat. So, um, yeah, it was a bit, 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 of, a, bit of a culture shock for old dad. But uh, he, he took it in his strides, you know. Um, he enjoyed seeing sort of what goes into making a show and I think, um, I think he was just happy to see me with a couple of girls on the farm for once, which was nice. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often. Nah, not too often at all. Nah, <laughs> far and in between drinks, mate. So what's what's on the plans for you at the moment? Like with your platform now, how? Like it's pretty cool that you can build such a platform after the show, being within agriculture. How do you see that working out? Or like, do you plan on doing anything with it? Well, I haven't 
to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. Um, sort of, you know, go on the show and you got also, I think I got almost got about 25,000 followers. And I don't know. Like, I just, um, I probably need some guidance. So, I probably need to talk to someone like someone that works with PR that um, could could show me like how to utilize it and probably reach out to people more. Like, um, at the moment, like, I try, like, you know, I put stuff up on as photos and stories just of, um, uh, you know, just like when we're working in the shearing shed or um, out on the motorbike and probably letting people connect a little bit more with agriculture, just seeing what we do out there, you know, that we are educated people and, like, um, these are some of the processes we go through. I know I think I know just putting up a thing of, like, people, like, drafting, like, and, um, you know, people are like, oh, that's – um what are you doing? You know, what, what, what's this process for? And it's like, oh, well, we're taking off the lambs from their mothers so we can mark them, you know, to castrate them and then they don't get any incest with each other. I know, um, little stuff. I think just trying to make people aware, but as far as a platform, um, yeah, I haven't really thought about where I could take it. Um, might need to get some, uh, advice from you, Jack. Yeah, maybe I can help you out after the show. Um, it's cool. It's cool though to see like all the blokes on the show. Um, mm. The following's quite big there overall. Yeah, it's uh, it is like um, for I think for Channel Seven, like it was their biggest rural like um viewing on a show for six years, yeah, like right. of regional Australia. Like it was the most like regional viewing that they'd had on any like particular program. For all the farmers, once a wife previously. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, it wasn't actually with Channel Seven previously. Yeah, um, Channel oh, Nine true. used to own it, and then Channel Seven bought it back and sort of re- revamped it. You know, gave it a um, another breath of life. I think they just thought it was a good show and deserved another sort of crack at the title. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's good to see you on there for sure. What what's coming up next for you, Alex? Like on the farm? Um, we've got shearing actually. We've got shearing um coming on next week. Um so it's gonna be gonna a muster everything. Oh yeah, bro. I think um yeah, probably forty degree day every single day. But uh we're gonna get in and shear all our sheep, get the wool off them, sort of um so they're a bit lighter, so they're not so hot. Um also um uh, as you know, like you, with wool, like you need to keep the keep the fly out of them. And we are praying that maybe if La Nina comes and that we have a big wet wet summer, that the sheep aren't like full of wool, so then they don't get waterlogged. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're going to sort out sort out shearing, and then after that, um, we've got some more investment um another place next to ours. So we'll probably be taking the cattle off, branding up uh, the rest of the calves, and um. Moving them over to the neighbors. Absolutely. As a like as a young bloke, there's a lot of like blokes our age moving up through and like taking over the farms. Do you are you making many decisions or are you looking to take it over soon? Well, I'd like to and um, you know, ideally, you know, I'd like to say I'm helping making decisions on the farm, but not really. Um dad's, you know, dad's fairly still strong in control and uh you know i 
I make suggestions and I've got ideas there and I've got, you know, I've got things I want to do, but, you know, it is still dad's place and it's his farm and I need to respect that and, you know, let him like, let me come in with my ideas and um, my plans sort of like in my time and in his time as well. Cause you know, I, I like I like merinos and I like wool, but I I feel um it's very labour intensive, and uh you know it's getting harder and harder to find shearers, and I feel like um maybe later down the track like looking into something like goats or like dorpers, you know, growing meat, it's just a little bit more labour intensive and a bit easier to manage, and um like I said, people are always going to need something to eat. You know, you cannot go wrong with meat. And um, I feel like that's the avenue that I eventually want to go down. Um, but, yeah, I, when I start bringing up these ideas with the old man, he gets a bit upset. So I'm going to take a step back. Keeping keeping traditional. Well, the protein, like, demand is there, isn't it? Oh, Skyrocketing. It's crazy, you know. And um, not that they're the most favourable partners at the moment, but, uh, you know, China's middle class is growing, you know, and the middle class is growing and they, you know, they want to eat, they want to eat better things. They want to eat beef. They want to eat lamb. And, uh, you know, we're the food bowl of Southeast Asia. So, you know, a fair old monopoly of the market. Yeah, if we can improve our own standards, well, we've got quite high standards for our meat anyway for export. It's one of the best Mm. in the world. Yeah, by like by a long shot, you know, like um, you know, um, you know, animal husbandry, like diseases, you know, like I think everyone knows, like if you're buying something from Australia, like it's quality, it's safe, you know, and that's gone through a lot of processes to come to your plate. Um, whereas other countries, you know, might not have as high a standard. Yeah, so they're diversifying your your farm you'd still mm. keep, keep some wool or would you like to go full uh i think we've got such a good setup for wool at home like we've got a beautiful big wool shed and good yards and um it would be sad to get away from it i don't know and you know you say this now but a couple of good seasons and like getting up numbers and you know could change it all but i think eventually over time i would rather just focus on one thing which is like producing meat you know growing goats and growing dorpers and um yeah i don't know like i said it feels a lot less labor intensive and then it's just one less thing you don't have to worry about you know you don't have to worry about getting shearers for your wall you don't have to worry about the conflicting market with having to mules having to landmark you know there's um you know like more and more we're having to work with our animal activists, you know, which is yeah. fair enough, you know, like, you, you know, I've, I do feel a rapport for animals and like you, you do want their quality of life to be better and you don't want them to be in pain. But at the same time, it's, it's going so far the other way. It's almost impossible for us to like run our business properly and for it to be affordable, like, you know, to give animals anesthetic, um, to have a, qualified vet to do all the the work um you know all these things all these factors to take in whereas and wool you know wool has a lot of 
hoops to jump through, you know, like people think it's cruel to shift, people think it's cruel, cruel to mules, people think it's cruel to landmark. And these are all necessities of like the wool market. And it's, you know, where where's the point where it stops, where like um, us as the producer, like where, <laughs> where can we find a happy medium with our like animal rights, um, you know, representatives? Have you have you hit much scrutiny online? Now you've got a bit of a profile. Like being in ag, we can cut mm-hmm. it a little bit. How have you dealt with that? Have you had it much? Uh, you know what? I haven't really had any scrutiny really um, probably over like farming practices that are done on the farm. But I also I'm very conscious of not putting up anything that would, you know, alarm people or like make, um, put my industry at risk. Like I'll see... You know, I'm not putting up pictures of us like landmarking with like the lambs in the cradle. I'm not putting up, you know, videos of us branding calves or anything like that. Maybe afterwards with like a brand on them and an ear tag, but um, you know, nothing confrontational for people. Um, and I think there's a time and a place. And if people don't understand the process, what you're doing, um, you know, you shouldn't put it up there as like a warranted red flag for people to like want to hate you. Like you want people to get into agriculture, not fight against you. Yeah, I think it's important. Like you can put up the information there. Um, mm. no, knowing what's the right information is pretty good. Like with a platform 25,000 or more. Yeah, exactly. You can't just go too direct and savage. For the- <laughs> I, I, know, I, just, I try and keep it cute and cuddly, you know, <laughs> just putting up pictures of, pictures of baby lambs and little calves and, you know, cattle just sitting out there in the paddock, you know, and I know letting people connect in that sort of way, probably, you know, like I said, as far as the whole processing like side of things, you know, probably steer away from that a little bit. Um, yeah, I know it's, it is, a, unless you're sitting there speaking to people one-on-one, you know, people just don't understand, you know, they don't understand what, what goes into having to, you know, grow livestock and what, what it takes to put steaks on your plate and land chops um uh on your table. Did the did the girls get into that much? Like were they interested in agriculture more than just like on the show? Did they have uh, an interest? Like a, a little bit. You know, I talked to them about it, but um more so probably like the guidelines of the show, you know, because there's there was moments there, like I'd be talking about like beef and sheep and, you know, this is what we're doing here. And then they'd sort of, the producers would pull us back and they're like, Alex, this is about finding love. Okay. We're about, we're about, fi- it's, it's farmer wants a wife, not, um, you know, farmer selling his girlfriend a chop. You know? <laughs> um, so sort of, they steered us away from it a fair bit. Um, but I'd say whole, like, um, really interested you know, because they didn't really know much about it, but I wouldn't say really uh, captivated so much by it. There was one of the girls, she was really, she was really interested in it. Probably not so much in livestock, but more, she was an environmental um, consultant. And so she was more interested in like, um, you know, I was like talking about trees and like the different like grasses that grow, grew at home and ones that were high in protein and like um, salines and how like mulga is like, um, you know, like saved us through droughts and how like the like animals like flourish off it and keeps them alive and certain things that are poisonous and 
um, she was really interested in that side of things. And when like start talking about like a bit more of like, um, you know, your ecology, um, you know, and what certain plants grow at certain times of year and, uh, you know, how animals respond to it. I don't know, like, um, yeah, that was probably the only thing that I probably found the girls that had a bit of a rapport with it. But as far as sort of the animals and all the processes it goes in, um, it was it was a bit hard for them to fathom. And like, it was, you know, filming only sort of took five weeks. And, uh, you know, you can't learn a lot on a farm in five weeks, um, really. You know, you need to be there for a couple of months and a year before you start, it all starts to sink in and make sense. Yeah, definitely. I think like you'd find some hiccups down the road. If they were to stay for a year, they'd keep learning yeah. over time, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. No, um, no, they would. And like I said, I think when you, when you're there and there's nothing else going on and, you know, um, you know, internet's not great and you haven't really got much of a social life. I think that's, that is what like draws you more into agriculture. You get, you get more invested in your animals and what they're eating and um, you know, what you can do to benefit them and give them better quality of life. And uh, yeah, so it sucks up a lot of your time and then I guess you get more interested, gives you a hobby. Yeah, of course. So like looking past farmer wants a wife, where, yep. where are you looking now? Is there a girl in mind or you're just playing the field uh, to see how it is? Uh, I'm playing the field a bit at the moment. It's um, like I said, it didn't work out with the girls on the show, but I'm still good friends with them. And um, it has been good since the show. It's opened up a lot of doors. Um, and it's funny, you get on TV and all of a sudden, yeah, everyone's a cup of tea, you know, and um, your face is out there. And I guess like, you know, people know you're from a farm and like, if they're interested in that lifestyle and what you do, like they're more captivated in you. And it's like, Hey, like, um, I'm in farming and I'm like, I like sheep and cattle. Like let's talk, which is nice. It sort of gives you, um, half a foot in the door. Whereas, you know, come up to a girl you're half interested in. It's like, Oh, so what do you do? I'm like, Oh, I'm in agriculture. And it's like, Oh, I know nothing about it. So you're sort of, you're starting from zero from like day one. Yeah. It's not as straight as up as working as an accountant. Or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. That's it. You know, building that relationship. How's the pub down at Kanamala? Uh, or just, just locals? Just locals. Yeah, she's pretty. Kanamala was pretty quiet. Um, you know, before the show, and then she's pretty. She got pretty quiet during COVID, and she's pretty quiet now. Yeah. Um. No, like uh, the young girls uh that live out there are sort of far and in between. I know, and anyone that sort of, um, I know that sort of got a bit of an education, or you know, sort of got um, big plans, sort of move away gently, like the, um, they move down to Brisbane or uh, down to Sydney um, or a metropolis, anywhere really, just um, where the opportunity is. You know, I think um, people go to university and they sort of see, li- you know, live. Um, see how the other half live and they sort of think, well, I you know, and, and, yeah, maybe there's not enough out in Kalamala to keep me out here. Going to the greener grass on the other side of the fence. That's it. And and it's, it's tough too, you know, like we've been, we're now staring down the barrel of nine years of drought, you know, it's nine years time. of drought. And it's a long time for a place not to have money, 
you know, you need money to have people there and to, you know, put infrastructure in and give people jobs. And, you know, if you were staring down the barrel of having like a, a young family out there in this place that nine year droughts, there's no money, there's no opportunity. I mean, would you, would you want to raise a family there? Would you want to go somewhere where it is raining all the time and that agriculture is booming and that there's, there's opportunity for you and then your young family as you grow older, like, um, you know, that's what, that's what people look at, you know, for us, you know, being at Kalamala, we're there because we love it. And, you know, I grew up there, but I don't know if I, if I didn't, would I move there? Probably, dare I say, probably not, you know, looking at like um, what's been going on in the last 10 years. Yeah, definitely. I'd say like where we were from around Wilkenia area, there was a lot of families. Mm. Um, they've gone or like the bigger corporate sort of farm owners are moving in and just have managers yeah. running free properties as such. You lose that sense of community. Exactly. Yeah. Like um, at home, like there's an area called the salad bowl and it's um, some of the most beautiful productive land in Kalamala. It's all, you know, floodplain country and open Mitchell grass and down there, there used to be 30, th- like close to um, 20 th- families. Um, it's pretty much owned by two people now. Like um, one place is, I think it's like 280,000 and another place is 400,000. You know, all the prime blocks and they've just all been just accumulated into one. And yeah, just owned by two people. They just get get the contractors in um, and then they leave. So, you know, you've lost, so you know, so many people. You've lost 100 people practically from that area. And now there's... 10 living out there you know it's it's yeah it's tough talking about um i think sorry you go first talking about being like in a community are you Mm. sticking keep in touch with the other blokes that were on farmer once a wife yeah i do actually um i do keep in touch with the um the other boys from the farms um i don't know like we touch base with each other it's been a little bit been a bit hard like um Everyone's sort of been sort of doing a bit of harvest and all that sort of thing. But um, there is plans to sort of try and catch up next year. Um, Farmer Harry, he's down in Gilgawi. I think he's uh, he's having his 30th. And so hopefully we all get down there for a bit of a, a, bit of a shindig and a catch up then, which would be nice. But, uh, you know, no, no one like in, in the world's been through the experience we had. So uh, it sort of makes us mates for life, really. Um, and when things did get a bit tough on the show, you know, producers and the girls, you know, you know, we all yeah. sort of reaching out to each other. It's like, oh, how's things going? Your farm, boys, you know, how you, how are you faring? It's like, oh, it's a bit tough, you know. So, um, yeah, like it, it was good. Like um, we were definitely dependent on each other. And um, like I said, sharing that experience, you, you'll never forget it. So um, they're pretty special people to me. Probably one of the best things about the show was meeting the other farmers, I'd say. Yeah, it's cool that like you got a spread of farmers across Australia. Mm. Coming from and, all different You know, and all Yeah, exactly. You know, you got one guy down Tassie, you got another guy down Griffith, Goulburn, and then southwest Queensland, and then a um, you know, fruit farmer up in Innisfail. So a bit of diversity in in the farming as well. 
yeah, it's good to see. I think like the show does do a bit of good for like rural communities, building them up and giving a voice to farmers. Yeah, exactly. And um, that was a lot of their plan as well. Um, like um, they supported like um, various um, like fundraising groups. Like there's a mob called uh, Rural Aid. And um, that, like, um, they were sort of like the show sort of sponsored them, and they actually came out to my community. There were a bunch of sort of, you know, volunteers, retirees, and they just came out and um, did volunteer farm work, be it paint a shed or, you know, help you do a bit of sheep work or clean something up. And um, it's fantastic. There must have been at least 50, 60 odd people come out to Kalamala and they put them up at the showgrounds. And it wasn't just restricted to farms as well. Like they did work all through the community. Um, you know, they they fixed up things at the racetrack, the showgrounds. Um, it was fantastic, you know. And they were just happy to be out there and just do something for the community and for like, I guess, for the forgotten voice of Australia, which is out back. You know, people. I know some. We do feel a little bit forgotten, segregated out there. Yeah, that, so um, it was, rural aid it was do nice. a bloody good job, don't they? Yeah. So um, and um, big shout out to Toyota as well. Um, Toyota like um, sort of like pitch, you know, behind the scenes was sort of pitching like a few, like a uh, little um, rural things like um, like like cricket matches, uh, like for the community and get people in for like a sausage sizzle and um, gave money sort of to um help put like a bit of infrastructure in it, like local sports, um, like centers and all that sort of stuff at each of the farms. Um, yeah. So there's little stuff that the show did behind the scenes that you didn't know about that sort of trying to put a bit of money back into the community and just having the camera crew there. Like the camera crew stayed at the sort of local cabins. They ate at the pub every night. They got a lot of the food that we feed for the girls, um, you know, from town, from the pub. Um, from the local like shopping center, you know, that's supporting our community. They're spending money there. So all these little things count and they help. Yeah. There's a huge hype build up around the show for sure. Mm. So for yourself, talking back onto the farm, what sort of like improvements have you made? Like on the podcast, I'm looking to get farmers to look into ag tech to adapt and adopt a bit easier. Yep. What like sort of improvements have you done? You think you and your old man, your family, family? Now, are you talking about like sort of like software and computers, or are you talking about as like um like infrastructure? Even like infrastructure and like technology, software, whatnot, just to make Probably, your day to day easier. You know, like um, technology was sort of probably still lagging a little bit. Um, Auctions Plus, I think, has been a great great thing for like um agriculture and farms you know having to you know you take the pictures of the of the animals and the stock on the farm and then you put it on on there and you have a buyer you know down new south wales or queensland and they're able to see it and buy it instead of um you know people sort of having to call around and find something to buy your stock you're sort of getting the best price for for your animals um but the biggest yeah, exactly. You know, you're not knocking things down, having to truck them and send them to a sale yard. It's like you do it off farm, 
and then they get sent straight to like um whoever buys them. So auctions plus has been like a big um a big one for us. But uh what what we're doing now and please hopefully some listeners are doing is um doing the dog fencing. Yeah, I was gonna ask uh, that whether or what you're impacted up there. We are. We um we've been heavily impacted over the last couple of years by dogs and um uh, we actually we've had a guy out dogging in our place for the last two years and he's caught, uh, I think he got up to 20, 21 dogs. He's caught off our place. Just and, um, place. Yeah, just our place yeah. alone. And um, where we were putting, that was another reason why like our sheep numbers hadn't been so good. Like, um, you know, there's a certain paddock where we were putting our sheep out and uh, 500 ewes and 40 lambs. And um, you'll see like, May, the dogs might have been eating them all, but they're sort of getting in there. They're disturbing the sheep. They're distressing them. They're mismothering. Um, so, yeah, that's been a big problem for us. So we've fenced off 15 kilometres along our northern boundary and uh, we've fenced off another seven kilometres on our southern boundary and then we're sort of, I guess you could say, peace talks with uh, with the neighbours to do our eastern boundary. Yeah. Um, we have 10 kilometres. 10 kilometres of materials ready to go. Um, but that's that's a big thing that's going in everywhere um, or in our areas. It just, one, to keep the dogs out. Uh, two, to probably try and keep the migration of kangaroos coming through your place, which can absolutely decimate you. Um, and also sort of losing your stock to your neighbours and trying to get them back. You know, with these fences, it just seems to make life a lot easier to manage and um, to know that you're putting animals in there, they're not going to get ta- attacked by ferals, and then you can get them back out again. How, how big are the fences you're putting in? Like, like kilometres or how? Like tall. Uh, yeah, six six foot. So um, I think the wire's um, about uh, 1,500, like the netting, yeah. and then usually a bit of barb on top. Yeah, righto. So six foot. Yeah, they're six foot fences. So... um. Keeps, keeps keeps most things out. I can't imagine like it's it's not cheap at all running these fence lines to improve. But no, nah. you should be seeing it over the next few years, no? Yeah, it's it's just one of those things you just have to do. And um, you know, anyone that's put them in, have all said we just wish we put them up sooner. But uh, you are looking down the barrel of eight thousand dollars a kilometer to put a fence up. Um, by yeah, the right. time Materials, labour, clearing it, grading it, um, $8,000. Um, some areas are put in subsidies. Um, and uh, like you can get, if you can get into a cluster, um, there's subsidies, but trying to go your own. And sadly, um, yeah, in Kalamala, we haven't really sort of, they've put in a few clusters and people have been able to get subsidies, but we haven't been able to sort of get individual subsidies so you know you're standing down the barrel of eight thousand dollars kilometer it's pretty uh pretty hard to make that money back are you doing all the labor yourself um so no we've sort of had a contractor come along and do the northern end um i've actually been building these fences now for like the last sort of six seven months because we've been so dry at home it's can't really afford to have me there full time so um yeah, I've been out contract fencing with a guy and we've just been out building fences and then 
when dad's got all the big stuff on at home and come back and help him do it. Yeah. Have you, have you nailed the figure eight knot joining fences? Uh, um, I have actually like, um, but like I said, with all these fences going up, um, there's sort of, there's all these little bits and pieces and tools that they've got it to make sort of things, um, just a little bit faster. And they've got like little, like little gripples that you put on yeah. to join all the wire together. Um, and then you just clamp them on sort of with, uh, like you can either do it manually or it's like a little, um, electric clamp that you sort of use if you're a plumber sort of clamping up, pipe, um, uh, clamping up pipes. Yeah. And it shifts a wire to, through so you can get a bit closer in. That's, that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, I have mastered the, um, figure eight. <laughs> I've done so many now. Um, I hate to think. I've got calluses on the inside of my fingers from it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not, nothing better than mastering the figure eight once you finally nut it out. It took me a while in the beginning. Yeah, I know. I, if it gets a bit hot and I haven't had a good drink of water, I still still manage to mess it up. <laughs> uh, All good. Well, Alex, it's been excellent having you on the show, Farms Advice Podcast. Thanks for coming on, yep. mate and getting a bit of insight into Farmer Wants Wife and also your operations with the family. Well, thanks, mate. And um, thanks for having us on. And it's been um, great talking to you. And, um, yeah, it's good to put the word out about agriculture and what, you know, sort of what we're going through at the moment. Absolutely. Building platforms. But if there's any single ladies out there, Alex <laughs> is single. <laughs> yeah. so, that, so they tell me. <laughs> For, for mm. the podcast, just something I ask everyone, who would you like to hear yep. on here and why? Uh, like someone from agriculture or? Yeah, preferably. Um, God, uh, I'd love to hear um, Anthony Davies on here. Um, he's a self-made man from the Territory. Um, he's a cattle man. Um, he'd be pretty interesting here in his story. Um, that or maybe Tiggy Forrest. Um, Jeez, that's a big one. You know, he, yeah, <laughs> that is a big one, you know, big hitter. But I know, like, uh, you know, obviously he's got his mining, but he's also bought a lot of cattle stations. And, you know, what's driven him to do that? Um, you know, what is his connection with, like, agriculture? I don't know. It'd be pretty cool to sort of hear that side of things. But, uh, I don't know, it's nice to hear from the little guy as well, you know. What little what little things people are doing to sort of um you know when agriculture is not sort of the like agriculture is sort of your bread and butter and you know what are they doing to make the bit of jam but yeah I guess those two guys would be pretty cool to hear on the podcast yeah definitely I'll I'll just ring Tree straight up on the phone yeah just send him, send him a message you know just put a put a memo in I'll get him on um, <laughs> No, uh, but yeah, I know that um, that'd be in maybe Gina Reinhardt. I mean, Gina, what bought Kidman and Co. Um, yeah. I know <laughs> some heavy hitters. I'm asking, I'm asking for some serious heavy hitters, aren't I? Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis would be an interesting one. Um, I don't know if you keep up with Aaron Williams magazine. Yep. He was like, he was the front cover of like Aaron Williams magazine, um, there for a bit and, um, yeah, he just owns a heap of country west of west of like the Northern Territory, and yeah, he'd be a, 
I don't know, he'd be a cool one to tap into. You know, he's been a ringer and he's lived out in grass huts. And I know if he's a, he's a multi-millionaire, but he just gets around in baggy jeans and thongs. I think uh, he's, he's good. He's down to earth and he's, um, he's a good advocate for um, agriculture. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to get in touch. Um, and also the big hitters as well. If they want to reach out, yeah. feel free. Well, you know, get a bit of heat behind it, you know, and like I said, um, the good thing about Gina and uh, Tiggy, you know, they are, they're Australian. They are, they're Australian-owned companies. And I know, I think, uh, like, mate, it probably is something they want to get behind, you know, like supporting Australia and being like sort of self, self-sufficient and keeping it in-house, you know. Sort of, um, yeah, definitely. So yep. uh, I don't, good luck, with, good luck for that. I don't know who do who do people usually ask to um go on the show? I don't know. Um, I oh, just like um, throughout their own industry sort of thing. Um, they they're good though. I'll definitely take yep. them on. Yep. Further um, down the line yeah. for Tiggy or Gina, I think though. <laughs> yeah, when the when the podcast gets a bit bigger. Yeah, they might but, be uh, sponsor the show. Let's see. Yeah, be cool. Um. Yeah, like I know here for that or like um just probably some of the people that are running like AACO, um, you know, like what their ideas are and like what their future is for like um, you know, the cattle industry. And uh maybe uh, I know some of the guys of like the studs down in um uh down in like southern New South Wales, like Bunnick, Pudgy Nook, um, yeah. you know, how you know, how like sort of the wool like where they see wool going, um, what they've implemented in to, you know, give wool a future, um, you know, how they've gone with like sort of like the prices crashing down and then coming back, uh, all these sort of things. I know, um, yeah, I definitely reckon like get on to like some of those Ramstad guys down in southern New South Wales. I'd, I'd really like to listen to them and their story. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot there that we could learn from like individual sort of livestock studs like that would be good mm. how, how can right. we reach out to you what's is it farmer au alex yeah farmer Farm alex um au is um, my handle on on instagram and um yeah i always like sort of go through my messages and try and like um if anyone's got questions or want to talk to me i try giving my time of day so yeah anyone's got any questions about agriculture feel free to um uh, send me a message thanks for listening to this podcast as we start to round out the year that was 2020 it's great to see alex working within the family and how they're working as alex looks to run the farm on his own later on if you haven't had the conversation with your children or parents about what's happening later on about transitioning into running the farm or passing on the buck to your children. Right now is the perfect time and a great opportunity to get everyone together during the Christmas period. For this podcast, catch the show notes at farmsadvice.com.au and continue the conversation in the Farms Advice Facebook group. We've got room for a couple more before we wrap up for 2020, so stay tuned as we get into holiday mode for some of us. Until then,
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.